Welcome back to another edition of the Shorts and Goggles podcast. RJ Liggins and Kevin Reed, we are here on Championship Monday. Last night, the Los Angeles Lakers closed out the Miami Heat four games to two and a, a blowout win in game six. A lot of thoughts on the final since the last time we got a chance to talk where it looks like the Lakers are going to be in complete control of this series. Uh, and we ended up getting one that ended up being much more memorable than we were expecting. But Kev, uh, working <laughs> still at his desk, working hard and taking the time to podcast. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm tired, but I'm, I'm not as tired as uh, Jimmy Butler was in game five and Nuh-uh. lost in what I'm calling the RJ celebration pod. It's a beautiful, wonderful time. I was definitely pretty obnoxious last night in the group chats. Uh, you know, had a couple of beers during the game. And of course, mm-hmm. once things got wrapped up, you know, jumping to random group chats, telling people to suck your dick, fuck you, yeah. champions, yeah. Uh, asterisk these nuts. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it got abrasive at times. But you know what? Uh, it's been it's been a long time coming, 10 years uh, since the last Lakers championship. Obviously, all the different adversities that team experienced throughout the year. Uh, it just felt right for the season to end with, with them as a champion. So um, I guess, Kevin, we'll just start with, like I said, we, we last left off on game three. Um, where kind of take us back to where your thoughts were at the end of game three, where we're at for the series and, and kind of how did things end and, you know, how did things play out to what you expected or what surprised you? I think in the big picture, it did. Uh, I, if I'm remembering where we were at after game three, we were kind of, uh, at least I was, yeah, I think you were taking, you were going to take this finals victory any way that you can. I was lamenting the Miami injuries. And mm-hmm. I was, I was lamenting that, you know, we hadn't seen Bam or Goron yet at that point. And we never see Goron, correct? He played for a little bit last night. Okay. He plays, he plays a little bit last night. I'm going to be real. I didn't watch much last night. Cause when I popped on the score, I was like, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just like intaking all of it. Like people yeah. were texting me and they're like, don't, didn't you want this game to be like kind of close? And I was like, I mean, at first, and then I thought about that, like 38 point blowout the Celtics gave us in a way. And I was like, you know what? Fuck the heat actually. A little like devil angel on your shoulder. Yeah, thing. exactly. I was like, yeah. you know what? I hope they lose by 40. Fuck them. <laughs> right. Uh, but where we left off was. I think we were both saying like, this is the late, like this should be the Lakers. It's the Lakers to lose. Wouldn't surprise us if Miami takes one, like another one here. And more or less, that's how it played out. Um, mm-hmm. But I had to get my Jimmy Butler game five reference there right at the top because um, it had to be said. And I went into today thinking this was going to be a, obviously like Lakers all day pod. So I, I had to get my Jimmy, my Jimmy reference in there, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think it played out rather well and hard not to agree that this is the for the Lakers. There's a poetic justice to the Lakers winning the NBA finals this year. Yeah, I think when we left things off with game three, the Heat won had one game three. So we're like, OK, like we're starting to kind of see maybe a little bit of life. But yeah, I don't think anybody really expected them to push the, the Lakers to the game seven is one of those things where we wouldn't have been surprised. Um, I think the takeaway for me is just where we left off game three and then where we ended up for the the series was the whole dynamic between LeBron and AD for finals MVP. That was still very much a discussion with probably leaning towards AD more. Um, And then seeing LeBron take over in the second half of the the series. Um, And then just getting two, two really memorable, like all time performances out of Jimmy Butler and then like an all timer, 
in game uh, five where, you know, we got him and LeBron dueling at the end of the game. Um, if you would ask me, like, after the way game one played out, if we had potential to get, like, an all-time caliber game that we're going to remember for a long time, I would have said you're crazy. Like, no game's going to even be within 15 points. And, you know, the series did uh, – obviously, it, it didn't live up to what it could have been if everybody was healthy. But I think, ultimately, we still got, like, a pretty good series out of this finals, all things considering. All things considered, you know, for a finals to go six games is no small thing. Um, it it had a little bit – you and I had texted – I was scrolling through our text there to kind of, like, confirm. And like, there's a couple different times, and we mentioned this last week too, like, that was a weird game. Or we found ourselves kind of like, eh, that was a that was a bizarre set of circumstances there. So in that sense, I think this, this finals is interesting for us to look at because it, there was – a interesting combination of factors throughout in each game Mm -hmm. where it other than maybe game five, like every other, every other game you were kind of like, wow, that was surprising. And even game five was in its, in this, I guess, I guess a little bit surprising too. I, I'm, my takeaway from the finals is that I will, I will remember this for kind of being a microcosm of just how different the NBA season was with the bubble. And you had a very different NBA finals. Definitely. Especially, yeah, when you factor in the team that, like, wasn't supposed to be there, like, at the beginning of the playoffs in the Miami Heat. Um, Just the epitome of overachieving. We could start with Miami. um, And especially Jimmy Butler, who, you know, you you were referencing the exhaustion in game five, only sat for, like, 42 seconds in game five or something like that. Wish he had sat out a minute and 42 seconds because then the outcome probably would have been different um, for the series. But, I mean, you talked about – I mean, we're going to go over next week. Like, what did we learn from the bubble? Who are the winners and the losers? But I, I just think it has to be said again, man. Jimmy Butler, like, has to be – even though LeBron, you know, we're going to talk about LeBron some more in this podcast. Like, obviously, he has won to some degree. But, like, Jimmy Butler is probably the winner of the bubble. Did we get a little bit of pause there? Yeah, a little bit. Sorry, I got an internet connection unstable message. So buckle oh, okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So what I was saying was basically like, you know, it, it can't be understated how like the impact this has had on Jimmy Butler's career. But I mean, like, would did you ever see in a million years that Jimmy Butler would be capable of what he pulled off in the finals? Like I said, having two very memorable performances, but just all around NBA finals, just, just performing as not just the best player on his team, but one of the best players like in the league. Not at all. And that's the, that's the surprise that this bubble finals uh, brings to us. In some ways it's not surprising. In some ways this was the most expected outcome, mm-hmm. a LeBron NBA Finals victory, as internet troll Skip Bayless said, like in a cir- in circumstances that were created for LeBron to win a Finals, and we both agree that like Skip Dave Skip Bayless is the worst. That yeah. it, but to some extent, there's like a maybe a grain of truth in that. Like it, it's it, true, yeah. That the this was like the situation built for Le- like a LeBron Finals. Yeah, and it only but, happens so, uh, if LeBron agrees to the bubble in the first yes, place. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 
it, these are we were all playing on LeBron's terms. We we said there was no home court advantage. The only home court advantage was like LeBron's willpower. Was, exactly. <laughs> was the home court was the home court advantage. But for Jimmy, no. Jimmy's the Jimmy is the still my winner of the bubble because the my starting point with him pre bubble to now he he's that's the greatest like distance covered mm-hmm. is wow I have I have a whole different like whole new world perspective of of Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I think there's the fact that he is going to have like a finals game to like hang his hat on, you know, uh, from a legacy standpoint, like there's always going to be that, that game. Like you always think of the duels, right? Like you uh-huh. think of magic, not magic. You think of Larry versus Dominique in that random second round playoff in like 86 or something like that, where there's training, training buckets back and forth. LeBron versus Paul Pierce in 08 uh, Eastern Conference Game 7, or was it was either Game 6 or Game 7, where I think they both had 40, right? Game so 7, yeah. Yeah, so you, you're going to – those are the ones that you remember are like two great performances. Now, LeBron having a 40-piece triple-double – no, he didn't have a triple-double. He almost did. But, you know, having a 40-piece um, in that game, you would assume if LeBron scores 40, they're going to win the game. But just through the sheer willpower and – dominance of jimmy butler down the stretch um yeah. i mean he played as perfect as basketball as you could you could play and we were talking about in the last podcast like game three they only win because he plays like as near perfect of a basketball game as you can play i think the way that we look at nba players now and nba finals can really dictate how you are perceived for the rest of your career yes like i think Kawhi leonard would have gotten murdered for his performance in the bubble this year if it wasn't for what he did in the finals last year, like it just changes everything for you. It kind of gives Jimmy, like if Jimmy never wins a championship, like I don't think it's going to hurt his overall legacy. um, If he hadn't had made the finals this year. Uh, Shades of the LeBron game one against the Warriors 2018 dynamic. Yeah. The, just the like, because well, you know, America loves a winner. America also loves the underdog that is scrapping and crawling and, and getting just and trying just for just about anything. There's not nothing America loves more than that. And mm-hmm. for and Jimmy Butler showing that here when the a, a picture is worth a thousand words, the picture of him gasping for breath on the baseline after after uh, right before he goes to the free throw line it's you you can't have like a more perfect picture of what it means to be giving it all and eric spolster said it best uh right after the game he he more or less says the same thing and he spolster after the finals gives a a teary interview and Mm -hmm. you know it's just talking about uh the secret of basketball another example of the secret of basketball coming out he talks about the camaraderie he talks about the group of guys um so that leads me to speculate that, and I'm, I'm intrigued by what Miami does going forward. What roster revamping do they do? If any, mm. there's for all this time that we've talked about the Bucks and Giannis and the Celtics, Miami's lurking to Miami, Miami. I don't see this as a flash for Miami. It's mm. uh, all the, all the culture pieces that we we've we've talked about for weeks with Miami um I you you're gonna see 
Miami as a free agent destination again. Again. That's that's the thing with Pat Riley is he always knows how to get his guy. Yeah. You know, so it's like when people talk about Giannis or Joel Embiid or some of these other other guys that, you know, want to win a championship but maybe not for their teams like you always got to worry about Pat Riley. He's always yes. the boogeyman in the closet that's going to steal your best player. Yeah. So I agree with you there. I think especially after seeing just the selfless nature that they play as well. Um, you can see certain guys, maybe not like, you know, a uh, ISO heavy type of like a James Harden type player is not going to go there, but like, you know, you can get like a Chris Middleton or someone yeah. like that. That's kind of more on that, like B plus a minus side of all-star um, that could really thrive in that kind of environment. So I agree with you there. The one thing I'm curious to see is because Jimmy had played at such a high level during these finals, like, he like and he's 31 i want to say or 30 he's either 30 or 31 about yeah yeah he's you got, our age you gotta think he's tapped out right like he's hit his ceiling and, and if anything like hit the ceiling so hard he put like a little dent in it and so mm. the ceiling like raised like slightly mm. but it's like he can't i don't think he could get better like right from what would like, him getting better look like i guess that's the question like from an individual standpoint He's always going to be a tough defender. Like he'll be like Iguodala. He'll play defense until he yeah. can't play anymore. Um, offensively, really the only thing is adding a three-point shot, which he like was almost Ben Simmons, like in the whole in the sense of like he didn't even try to attempt any. Really, and I wonder how much of that is a stylistic choice because I think part of his game there is him recognizing he has, with the exception of Bam, that whole roster is shooters. Mm-hmm. And the the kind of like appealing part of Jimmy Butler in these playoffs has been his retro game, his yeah. forty his forty piece without a three pointer for like the first time since Shaq or something like that. Like yeah, that was the, a stat, yeah yeah like there was something like I a stylistic choice on his part. Like I bet if he wanted to, he would be he could be chucking with Duncan and the and and Crowder mm-hmm. and hero and you know that those would probably be like good but i i i think he saw i think he saw a need and admit it i think he saw that he had to be the 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 mid-range foil he had to be the the guy that could stir the drink there definitely and i guess the other question is like does jimmy butler really need to get any better if you look at the rest of that roster when you got guys like bam and hero that are only going to get better, you would think. I mean, Bam's only in his third season. Hero's in his first. Yeah. Robinson's in his first. Um, you know, and then they got a lot of vet guys that they can kind of either move around or keep. Um, you know, so it's like the future looks does look bright for Miami because you're going to assume those core guys are going to get better. But, I mean, like we've said a bunch of times on this podcast before, like just because – there's that potential doesn't always mean the championship is going to be there because those teams that you mentioned with Boston and Milwaukee, Toronto, um, if the Sixers can get their act together, like those are in the nets entering the picture next year, we'll see what happens with them. But, you know, still, so that's, that's a deep, already a deeper Easter conference than what was last year or the short answer. If, if I'm a betting man, which I am, if the, if, if we've, if, did we just see peak Jimmy Butler? Yes. My short answer would be yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now you, you've humored me enough. We can, 
thank you for this Miami Heat talk. You've humored me enough. Um, (laughs) This is your day. This is your time. And uh, some of these, let's talk about these two Lakers wins. Mm -hmm. There's game four. I was going back with our, um, our texting with game four. We didn't text much for game four, uh, um, to be honest, if I'm I'm going at it. You said at one point you made a Tyler Hero comment and i think that was about it oh because tyler hero is for whatever <laughs> reason during the finals like would miss and i think he did this too a little bit in the Boston series he would miss every single shot leading yeah. up to the fourth quarter and then just be automatic in the fourth quarter right. like he just does it he's just he's just built for this i guess so um, that was game four was like another weird game yeah. in, a, in a series full of weird games it was another weird game because miami kind of like picks it up at the end yeah, they make they make a mad dash for it at the end. I think they even take the lead for a second, um, and then like LeBron's pretty much in control of Game Four. So that was the game where LeBron took the the MVP back. Uh, he had that one like twenty eight footer um, when the Lakers were only up by four, and then that made it like a seven point game. It was pretty early in the second half, but it was like definitely the turning point. Yeah. After the Lakers came out uh, real sloppy again in the first half, a lot of turnovers. Um, and you were kind of waiting for Davis to do something. And it just like wasn't really happening until the end. And then Davis ends up hitting uh, two really big buckets. And then Rondo and Caruso um, crashing the offensive boards. And that was also the KCP game. So that was the game where um, the role players stepped up again, played really well. And that was like the the game that stood out for me as far as LeBron. Um being more assertive, I guess, and having more of a sense of urgency with the series. Um, again, though, that was, I think you started to see Duncan Robinson starting to get hot, though, during that game or starting to kind of find his groove again. Uh, Hero making shots when he needed to. I think uh, Jake Crowder had a pretty good shooting night. So it was just a really competitive game. It was kind of like that game where two teams that figured each other out and there's like not really a whole lot of adjustments left to be made, if any. And now it's just like, can my guys beat your guys, basically? Uh, and the Lakers were able to come out on top on that one. And then in game five, you saw the Heat come out on top in, in that case. And I, I want to pick up on the the AD-LeBron talk, which mm-hmm. I have been stirring the drink about the importance of AD to this Lakers team. But um, And it's game five where you're texting me about like, Oh my God, AD just blew up his leg. Like I totally, war- I totally thought he tore his Achilles. Like, Absolutely thought he did. <laughs> we were on DeathCon seven. Like, what what is going on here? My heart and- like just dropped into my stomach. I was like, holy shit, he just tore his Achilles. Because he goes down, it's a no contact injury, and then he like is holding the back of his heel. And I, I we've seen enough Achilles tears now that it's just yes. like you know him when you see one, right? Yes. So, Yes. Praise God that was not the case, but yeah, that was a scary moment in Game Five. No, totally. And from from there, did help me as someone who didn't watch much of Game Six. Does like, is there that tr- a transition where this became like LeBron grabbing the MVP trophy, and like in, now it's my my turn? I mean, Game Five like solidified it for sure. Yeah, like because because Davis is hobbled for a lot of that game. Um, like he's still. He's still like playing like where AD's main um, value was for the Lakers in those in those last few games. And really what it has been the whole season is on the defensive end. Uh, You know, in game four, he's the one that's guarding Jimmy Butler down the stretch. Uh, Same in game five. Um, 
he he was on Butler for the most part, even with the the hobbled heel. Um, and then in game six, it's kind of by committee between him and LeBron. Basically, the Lakers decide that anybody but Jimmy Butler is going to beat us tonight. And they just refuse to let him get get going at all in game six. And by, by the time Jimmy's able to get anything going, he's just out of gas. And you can't can't blame the guy for that. But they basically, between 80 and LeBron, snuff him out uh, for game six. But Davis basically shut down the paint for them in game six, though. Um, so when he wasn't on Butler, he was basically in the paint, just shutting it down. Um, the he usually avoidant of layups anyways, like were extra avoidant of layups and like kept kicking out to shooters that weren't hitting their shots. Um, and if they did try to put something out, AD was either altering the shot or throwing it into the stands. So that was where his importance was. But game four, when AD or what game was it? So game three is when it kind of started with the conversation and the switch, the game that he was in foul trouble and that he ended up pulling away. Um, and then game four, I felt like is where LeBron like grabbed it for sure. And then game five with his duel against Jimmy Butler, it was basically like, it's only a matter of time now they got to yeah. close it out. Um, and really that was just, like I said, LeBron's impact on the game was he just got things moving for them when shit got real stagnant. And that was kind of the, the dirty secret of the, the Lakers this season is they're not a half-court team, really. Like, they they are an up-and-down, fast-paced, um, fast-breaking team. That's where they get a lot of their opportunities. And then the half-court, they're just an ISO team. They're basically the Rockets in, a, in the half-court, mm-hmm. just with better players. Um, and with AD kind of being hobbled and, you know, at times looking – a little passive you know that lebron was the one that like galvanized the team and gave them that sense of urgency um and enabled you know the role guys to, to hit big shots when they needed them yeah now to that half court point i'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the end of game five and our <laughs> exasperation <laughs> over the <laughs> like what was going on with morris um yeah <laughs> that lineup at the end and we were like, we were like, what, what are the, what is happening with the Lakers here? So the, um, my, my question again, as someone who didn't watch game six is did the role guys improve from game five, from the ending of game five? Yeah. So definitely the role players. Uh, I mean, Danny Green didn't really hit any shots until towards the end of the game, but you know, good for him. He started to hit some shots. Yeah. Um, role guys. So the biggest change for game six was they didn't start Dwight and they started Caruso instead. So immediately the Lakers came out with just a high defensive energy. Um, And that was the, I mean, that was the difference of the game was that they set the tone defensively right off the bat. They were swarming. They they had active hands. They were getting into passing lanes. Um, They were switching effectively. Like they just having Caruso out there definitely shifted the defensive energy for them uh, and allowed Davis to be more of that basket protector. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Rondo had a great game, brought like the, the couple of games where it wasn't very close. Uh, Rondo did not play well. And, you know, in this last game, he was, he was great. You know, he, he hit, I think four or five, three pointers. Um, just uh, absolute master of getting that bench moving, um, giving confidence in guys, setting guys up and then defensively just being a disruptor, you know, just kind of just out there, just stirring shit up. Um I mean, and the KCP also had a, had a pretty solid shooting night. Um, there came a point, though, where it was like the Lakers were just rolling, and you could see I think they got up to like almost almost 40-point lead at one point, and that was just because like the 
the whole team was just humming. Uh, they were getting a lot of open looks. Guys were hitting their shots. So, yeah, definitely a big turnaround from, from game five. Um, game five, I feel like for the role guys, and even for Davis to a degree, like that was when you could tell the difference between the guys that had been there before and the guys that hadn't. Because LeBron looked totally in his zone, totally comfortable what was going on. And you could tell that it was a little bit too big of a moment for the other guys. So, Danny Green. <laughs> we have no problem with that play, right? Like, no. Like, I think you and I are in agreement that, like, why was there a controversy about LeBron making that pass there? No, I mean, like, yeah, Danny definitely blew the shot, and he was open by, like, 40 feet. But, like, yeah. I'm sure LeBron, when it looked at that tape, after the game and like i'm sure he's like i could have given him a little bit of a better pass you know what i'm saying like right there was a lot of things that were imperfect about that play but like absolutely like danny green is one of the i mean he's a guy that's been there before you know uh, with a couple different teams so you would expect him to be ready for for that kind of moment and i think it just doesn't help that he's struggled kind of the whole playoffs so it definitely exacerbates kind of everything when uh when he misses a shot i know i made a comment about like kobe would have taken that shot like it would have been a terrible shot but kobe would have taken it dame said the same thing on twitter yeah dame said the same thing (laughs) and like and look like i know the danny green getting that shot is absolutely the right play that was the right play for sure yes but there was a part of me that wanted to see lebron just take it though like it, mm. it, it felt like there was that kind of game and he was having that kind of a performance and him and jimmy were going back and forth it just seemed right that one of them would get the game winning shot you know what i'm saying yeah so that so that was unfortunate that it was kind of anticlimactic in that sense because like it was building towards like a special moment and unfortunately we didn't get it no we didn't and it was um someone on social called it like danny green misses shot or he misses chance for the a paxson moment a kerr moment yep if we're do, if we're doing if we're doing the lebron mj yeah then that's the natural like segue is there's the pass that every mj has his finals where he makes the final pass to the guys the icing on the cake moment that could have been Le, that could have been lebron's yep absolutely yeah. um but yeah, you're an absolute right play. And then Morris, like, just brain farted. You know, I don't know what he was thinking on that, man. Yeah. I was more mad at him on the defensive end, like, basically just letting Jimmy Butler just walk down the middle oh, of the yeah. lane for an and one. Like, I almost lost my mind at that. But, you know, it is what it is. They won. So, you know, thankfully, we don't have to ever bring that up ever again. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have to text you like seven straight messages, just losing my mind over blown defensive coverages and whatnot. So, yeah, it's all good. I was wondering. I mean, I was right there with you with those. Like, what yeah. is going on? What is <laughs> what going is on happening? with this? Does but, um, mm-hmm. I was going to transition. Do you have any more like specific like game talk? No, nah, I mean I think we're I think we're probably transitioning towards the same direction of LeBron and the bigger picture. Is, yeah, I so is where you're heading towards. Yeah, I was gonna say either that or like, I just had some like general Lakers fan winning a title questions. Oh yeah, for sure. So it, like ten years since Lakers Celtics, um, how does this one feel compared to that one? I'm gonna start with that one as a comparison for like fan basking Ooh. in this moment. Uh, I mean, 2010 was, was dope because it was against the Celtics. So it was the payback. Right. 
Uh, and it was a game seven that like we I don't think had the lead for it until like the last three minutes of the game or something yeah. like that. So the buttholes were tight throughout that game. So like when when the Lakers did win it, you know, it was like this big like, ah, like, you know, kind of a, a relief, I guess, is one way to put it. But then also uh, like, you know, uh, an excitement because you thought this could be a team that could three P, you know, yeah. Um Compared to this one, this one is is very satisfying. Definitely, it's not quite the same. Um, it probably would have been a little bit different if the game was a little closer, maybe a little bit more more drama with that. But I mean, um, I'll be honest, man. After Game Five, I was nervous about this Heat team, and I did not want them to win Game Six because if we had to see them in a Game Seven, I did not feel great about it. I thought the Lakers would still win, but I definitely did not want to see those guys in a Game Seven. Um, but this one was was satisfying, obviously, because of it, it. It's what we talked about before with LeBron. You know, another great, another goat caliber player coming to LA, bringing LA a title, um, and really just the outlook for the Lakers looking very positive of, of a team that can easily uh, not only run it back but can add to this team. Actually, they're going to have the cap flexibility to add more pieces, and this could be. This could be another mini run for LA. Um, the last 10 years were long, man, especially like that five year stretch where uh, they're winning like 17 games. And also you're seeing, you know, multiple number two picks, which I don't think we have any of those guys still, but you know, we've had, we had Brandon Mingren, Lonzo ball, D'Angelo Russell. So it was three number two picks. None of them are yeah. still with the team. They never really did anything either. Um and then just bring the full circle with, you know, the, the passing of Kobe and um, kind of that, like a fit like that for real passing of the torch of like, bring, like welcoming LeBron as like an LA guy and like a Laker guy, um, which I don't think that was how it felt last year. You know, it just kind of felt like he was just coming to just be a hired gun. Um, but now he feels like an actual Laker, like, you know, an actual um like member of the club, so to speak. And same with like Anthony Davis, like you, you saw those guys kind of earn their Lakers stripes. So that was, that was a really cool, cool thing to see and, uh, and celebrate last night. I, I, gosh, I have, I have like so many different spinoff questions. I could go there with that. <laughs> um, I, let me start with the dynasty aspect. So yeah, Laker, Dyn- Laker titles come in chunks. Yep. Yep. Um, Either either back to back or back to back to back or whatever it was in the eighties. That's a three peat in the eighties. Uh, they repeated and then they, I think they went like every other year for the other ones. Okay, there yeah. was some there was some alternation there with a subject. little bit so of parity. Yeah, they come in chunks. Do we? Are you feeling the same? Are you? How are you in terms of like dynasty implications? We talked a little bit about the East kind of being a kerfuffle. How are how are you feeling about the idea of? a dynasty or a chunk yeah i mean it's it's in the cards like i don't really see a reason why it couldn't like uh barring injury of course but eventually what's going to happen is this team is going to get fully handed over to ad and whether that's next year or the year after it'll really just depends on lebron who i mean we just saw doesn't really look like he's slowing down um at least in the playoffs like he's still still the same guy he kind of always was Regular season, you can see him slowing down for sure and, and saving himself for those moments. But uh, eventually, the team is going to go to AD, who should be a star, like playing at 
this level or even higher for the next five years conceivably right so as long as you got that then you're you're in good hands but ultimately it's going to come down to what Palinka and the rest of the the organization could put around those guys um you know the laker bench and supporting cast was like adequate this year but you know it there's a lot of room to improve there <laughs> like there's a lot of room for improvement and you can get those same kind of guys that are just a little bit more reliable um but i mean if you look at the western conference i think where the western conference is going to get really competitive is more towards the bottom like more from the middle to the bottom versus like the middle to the top whereas the eastern conference is, is just continues to get stronger towards the top so you know those top teams that we saw in the west this year you know, it like it really is still going to be probably LA versus LA next year, conceivably. You know, unless Denver continues to take that step, um, you know, if Portland can have a bounce back year, or if the Warriors come back and are just as good as they they previous were. So, the Lakers are still a favorite to come out of the West for sure, and they should be able to beat whoever comes out of the East. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good insight. The how the the tumultuousness of the West is kind of like a middle area, like mm-hmm. you said, and the, the top is kind of firm. That's an, that's a, yeah. It's just hard to get into the playoffs if you're in the West. Yeah. Once you're in the West, then it's kind of like, it's still the top, like top team, top two teams that run that conference. Yeah. That's well said. That's good. Okay. Um, yeah. The, the LeBron AD dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's a, you said eventually it, it's going to fall to, AD and it's hard not to think about the other famous Laker duos in that and how let's say they're the transition between them is tumultuous um, to say the least the like who's whose transition is going to be when mm-hmm. is the transition going to happen um, did the transition ever happen for Kobe Shaq or did they break up before the transition does the um the magic Kareem, you might be able to give me a little bit more insight uh, of that one. I, I want to say, check me on this, but like, like Kareem didn't go away quietly as far as being the, the man, like there was, he's captain. He's yeah. it's, there's a level of like pride there. I, do you see, do you see where I'm getting at? Does like, is there, what are we yeah. going to see from that transition between i think it's gonna be so the difference between ad and lebron and and those two deals i just mentioned is that they like for real get along like they're actually (laughs) you know that is the biggest difference like like the writing was on the wall for shaq and kobe where it was starting to become apparent kobe was going to be moving into the primary spot and like in 03 like phil kind of already started experimenting with it a little bit and that did not go great um and so we never really got to see what that transition fully looked like with, with magic and Kareem and I'm only 30 years old. So I'm not, I don't know the, the for sure is about this, but I think really what that one came down to was it was more or less magic taking it in the sense of like, he had ascended to such a level that was undeniable that the Lakers needed to change their offense and needed to change their game and the way they played to be more centered around him versus, versus Kareem. And it just happened to coincide with Kareem getting older at the same time too. So I think that's more the dynamic you're going to see where it's, it's LeBron just getting older, but then also AD just continue to ascend to a point where it's like, there's, there's no content like contention between it. You know Um, 
I guess, Kevin, the question would be like, is AD like actually interested in that? Because there were times where it looked like he was perfectly content with being the number two guy during during these playoffs. I I wonder about AD. Someone I, I read somewhere that like AD has followed LeBron's playbook for an NBA career damn near like chapter and verse Mm -hmm. and you can you can kind of the only thing he doesn't have if i'm thinking about lebron in cleveland first edition is that like he doesn't take the pelicans nearly as far yeah um but he does kind of make a cool little playoff run it was fun there was another additional playoff rondo popping in there there was like an ad (laughs) there's an ad pelicans team where you're like okay this this could happen um but then he goes and he teams up he uh, is more or less setting himself up for the prime of his career. Now you're asking me, does AD want that? Mm. We were saying the same things about LeBron. Mm. There was so like, there was LeBron. I, I go back to like the LeBron Wade talk and yeah. like that, that, that team from 10 years ago. So I don't like, I don't know if that's fair to AD to say that or, or wonder about that. Cause as you're describing it, and I tend to agree with you, the transition is going to be is going to be much more natural than with those other Laker duos. So I think it. I, I think AD has a sense of understanding that I am destined for this, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's going to it, it. Whether I like it or not, I'm, I'm I'm a number one, and I need to be a number one. Um, but AD likes AD likes team. AD's a mm-hmm. AD's a team basketball player, and like even I I got to make an obligatory his title team at Kentucky. Like he was like the fifth leading scorer on that team. He true, yeah. He like wasn't get putting up nearly as much, as much shots, but and he he played. He did his. He had all his blocks and the rebounding, and was their best player, but didn't take nearly the amount of shots. So maybe. maybe Maybe AD is AD as an alpha going to be LeBron esque, where it's not predicated on them being volume shooters. Mm. Then, it, and then in which case, their duo kind of fits because no one's going to be demanding shots, and no one's going to be. I don't. I don't know if either of those guys will be upset at their shot selection. If it ends up being a game flow situation where LeBron has a bunch of shots, it's a game flow thing. If it's a game flow thing with AD getting a bunch of shots, I think both of them are going to. They have very similar mindsets. They're they're much more compatible, like you said. Definitely, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that's the, and that's why I think it is kind of more of like the magic or like the magic Kareem type of dynamic because, you know, yeah, you're right. Kareem was a, a prideful guy and thought knew he could still contribute at a high level. I mean, he won a Finals MVP uh, when he was in 1985, so he was like what, like 36 or something like that. Like right, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, guy could still play for a really long time, but it it was just, it, I mean, he could see it, like you know, he he could tell, he knew, he knew it was time to step back and kind of let the young buck, you know, start running the team, and ultimately saw the long term uh, satisfaction or, or reward on that. So I think LeBron's definitely, if anything, LeBron is going to push AD into that role sooner than probably AD's ready might be ready to do yeah um, that's a scenario for sure yeah, 
where LeBron says, hey, like it's almost like a the Wade LeBron talk um that they had after 2011, mm. where Wade said, Look, you gotta be the guy. Like I was the guy, you know, a couple of years ago. Like, I'm just not the same guy anymore. And like that's okay. Like, but if we want to win, you know, you gotta be the one to to take this over. The only thing I can like just to play devil's advocate on that, the only thing I could do is say our conventional concepts of time and aging don't exist with LeBron. True. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and I, is there a scenario that exists where Anthony Davis is frustrated by that baton not being handed to him? I suppose, I suppose that yeah. scenario we just talked about there, like, it seems like they're of similar mindset, but like, could that get old? Sure. Like in any other relationship, I suppose it could get stale. That that yeah. dynamic could get stale, um, and that's also assuming too LeBron's going to age gracefully and and just you know hand that off because that was what we always said about Kobe too. We're like, right. well, Kobe will hand this off to Dwight Howard. Like we thought that was going to be a thing. Um, Ew. Yeah, I know, right? But, but that was the cover. That was what we thought. Like Dwight Howard's coming to LA. He's going to be the star of the future. Kobe's going to eventually hand them the reins and it's all going to be good. And then Kobe realized Dwight's kind of a punk and said, no, nah, yeah. no, nah, I'm going to score 60 points on my last game. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Right. So there's always that possibility that LeBron, who's like obviously chasing goat status and he's not, not even trying to be subtle about it anymore. Like maybe, maybe he doesn't age as gracefully as we thought. And maybe he wants to control it a little, a little bit too long, maybe. Yeah. That's an, that's an interesting conversation about whether it's, I was, I was thinking of graceful departures in my head. Um, mm. Recently you've had Wade Nowitzki and Vince Carter. Mm. It's kind of like guys, they get a nice little farewell to where it's like a, a, a nice ease into it. Whereas um, you have like Kobe being a prime example of like, and now granted his, his injuries caught up with him, but, but maybe injuries catch up with LeBron too. Exactly. You, you can only, yeah. you can only fight it off with your perfect sleep schedule nutrition for so long. Like maybe, maybe something like that happens to LeBron, all speculation, all speculation, but yeah, I mean, to go back to your point though, I mean, the Lakers are set up to be uh, to make another dynastic run right now. Yeah. And I think they, much like the Heat, are starting to look like a free agent destination again, where, you know, a few years ago, a free agent wouldn't go near them with a 10 foot pole. So I think things are starting to look, they're starting to look like a competently ran organization again. Not necessarily who, but Laker fan, what's your number one need going to next year? I mean, I I really liked the Lakers when they had Avery Bradley, like right. a a true three and D uh, guard wing or whatever that can guard the point guards. So like basically the way Caruso, like his effort it, on defense and like just playing that hard, but just a way more skilled version of him. So a guy that can hit reliable open shots. Um, doesn't need to run the offense at all because you got LeBron, so you don't need someone that can run the offense. Um, and then maybe that person, if he does have that ability, maybe they can run the second unit, you know, because, you know, who knows how much longer Rondo is still going to be able to play at a high level. So right. I think it's basically taking the guys that you have and just seeing where you can just upgrade slightly, you know, so that 
when things are starting to get tough and you need a spark off the bench, you're not going to J.R. Smith necessarily. You know, you're, you're getting somebody that's a little bit more reliable in, in that regard. Yeah, so, I think I think yeah. I think that's right. I was so like a B B grade shooting guard, B plus shooting guard. Okay, B plus grade shooting guard. You want like <laughs> honestly, I the first thought in my head was like what Danny Green was for San Antonio. Absolutely, or <laughs> what he was for Toronto. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly exactly who. So as far as like which player that would be, I mean, um. If you could figure out a way to get like a Jalen Brown or something like that, that'd be just, that'd be just a wet dream of mine. But yeah. realistically, it's probably going to be somebody more like a like uh, who would be a good example. Like probably one of the, like like a Robert Covington. Like that'd be dope. I, okay, a three. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So, I mean. Looking big picture, we talked about, or not even big picture, but we talked about before ranking our NBA titles. You know, where does this mm. one, not talking, not, we'll, we could save the asterisk talk or whatever for next week, but like yeah. as far as just championships in your mind and how you have them ranked, where does this one fall for you um, from a ranking standpoint? Is this I need to, I want to, honestly, I want to listen. I need to listen to our pod we did about NBA yeah. titles and I need to, um, I need to contextualize it because. I th- in a vacuum, I'm not like all things being equal in a vacuum. I'm like this title doesn't scream for me. Mm-hmm. It's when you take everything in it. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Like the fact it was a bubble, the fact it was like a Lakers Kobe remembering Mamba title, um, the fact that like the the LeBron angle of it. Mm. Um, from a pure basketball standpoint, I like the best game was the best game was game five. Yeah. The, the, why, for instance, why that 2011 Mavericks heat title scores highly for both of us is it was a combination of basketball plus factors off the court. Mm. They had both. This one has a lot of factors off the court. Gotcha. Does that change if Drogic is healthy? Does the I mean, or and Bam too? I guess I, I kind of yeah, forgot he was hurt for a few games. I, I find it hard not to say yes to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I think is a lot of that has to do. I think what we built it up to be in our heads too. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance that like all those places pieces are in place and the same outcome happens, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we definitely had high expectations coming into those finals. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, when you start factoring just everything else that's happened this year, <laughs> like everything else, yeah, um, that's when this title does start to to rise a little bit. That's why I think it's it's somewhere like in the middle for me, like kind of middle towards the top more than middle towards the bottom. It's kind of in that area for me. Where is it? Because we're talking a lot of Lakers today in, yeah. in the realm of Lakers titles. In your let's let's I mean in your lifetime unless you want to talk yeah about um I mean just a, so in my lifetime so we'll just focus on like two thousand on okay sure uh, yeah we'll we'll focus on that I mean this one's this one's gonna be high up there because of just like like we mentioned this is the first time in ten years it's, it kind of feels like maybe the two thousand one kind of like kind of feels like that type of title where it's like yeah. the first one it's the start of potentially something great 
you know, um, yeah, it, 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 I would compare it to like the 2000 title in that sense, but it's it's hard to say that now though, just because like it, the recency of it and just like I said, everything else that went into this year, um, it definitely adds something to it. But, um, I mean, I think 2010, 2010's is, the highest scoring, yeah, 2010 is like the highest scoring, not so much for the basketball itself but just like the it's the celtics it's the the revenge the revenge series it's kobe's fifth uh ron artest hits hits a big shot you know it's like pal gasol's redemption against the celtics so a lot of stuff in there uh and then like oh one was just a great run like just absolutely dynastic team uh and then probably like 2000 and then, like, either 09 or, or this one probably be next, probably. Yeah. If oh, I'm, I'm trying to, like – so, 01, obviously, you have Ty Lue getting stepped on. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and how, like, in that sense, like, that's a series that you remember – ironically, the, the most remembered game from that series is a Lakers loss. Yeah, like, well, I mean, it's the only time they lost during that right? run. So that's that's true too. Like, but yeah, that was in also that the, sense. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that was also the run where Shaq and Kobe like averaged thirty a game, like yes. for the whole playoffs. So they were just like clicking, like like a exactly the way we wanted them to be. And then they were like, "Well, that was fun. Let's never do that again." So yep. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's where I would say. I mean. It just feel it feels it does feel cool to be part of the LeBron lore now a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like it is that fourth title, the fourth Finals MVP for him um, in year 17. Uh, it does feel cool to be a part of the LeBron lore now a little bit. I know I was I was kind of on the like you know I kept saying like if he wins a title with LA, it kind of counts as two, and it's like not necessarily like I don't I don't feel that way anymore, but it does feel special having like another goat level player winning a title for the Lakers. You said earlier that he's a Laker now. Yeah. It was like to more or less the phrasing you used. Does that did making it to the finals give him that status or did he, did he have to win it? I think he had to win it. I think that's just the level of expectation that you receive. And that's something he said before where it's like, once you put on that purple and gold Jersey, like you're expected to win a title. Um, and that's just the way it's been, you know, since the eighties, basically. Right. Um, so yeah, I think he needed to win. I think he needed to win it to get that full, um, acceptance. I, I think a run to the finals, if they would have been the Clippers, I think would have been not the same, but it would have sufficed. Yeah. Yeah. So we transition to, do you have any other thoughts about LeBron goat stuff, Lakers? I don't. I not not right now. No. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have plenty of goat talk next week. But speaking Lots of, go- of yeah, yep. Speaking of goats, our very own Tyler Reuter. Yes. Coming in with the 76 seconds of 76ers, brought to you by Carl's Jr. Um, this week, the Lakers' size was a clear problem for the entire league this year. The Rockets still have superstar talent and are shifting gears with new coaching coming soon and have the Lakers beat down fresh in their minds. Why not trade Philly for Al Horford in return or trade 
Philly for Al Horford and in return, Philly gets Eric Gordon and Robert Covington. So I think he means why not trade Al Horford to Houston for Eric right. Robert Covington. The money needs to be right. Philly needs wing defender shooting and to dump out Horford crying emoji. Houston needs size and Horford looked good at center when Embiid was out. All three guys are proven win now guys trading between win now teams. Am I dreaming if I think this trade has any chance? Also, now that the season is over and a coach is hired, I am fully I'm in full offseason investment mode for Philly. So that means all all of his takes are going to be revolved around offseason stuff. So this should be good <laughs> moving forward. But in summation, should the Rockets trade Eric Gordon and Robert Covington to the Sixers for Al Horford with everything that just happened in the finals? I I need a, I need a like a sidebar counselor. Can I approach the bench? Like I need I need yeah. a okay spin off. Clock hasn't started yet, so we're Clock good. Clock hasn't started yet. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Did the Rockets experiment fail? I think that's kind of what the, uh, the, Ooh, uh, the yeah. like what Tyler's question is based on is like, do it? It has been long assumed, and it's like you need like size wins championships, or you you at least have to have like a like this. Miami has Bam. The Lakers are bringing AD, and like LeBron does everything. Obviously, he's like he's like point forward, but also like is also yeah. massive yeah. and a t- <laughs> and a tank like. Yeah. And you know, la la la, going down the line. At the, even like, like I don't know, do the Golden State Warriors, do, do those Golden State Warriors teams like disprove the like that notion that you need size? Like, where are we with the overall, the premise of Tyler's question, the theory behind Tyler's question? Where are we with the the premise that he's presenting us that you need, yeah, you need size? I think you do need size. I mean, the if you go back to Golden State, the series that they lost against the Cavaliers was because they basically just got bullied on the offensive glass and in the paint. So that became a huge problem for them. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, Kevin Durant's not a big, it was like, all right, sure. But he's seven feet tall with fucking seven, 11 arms. So it's yeah, like, he might right. as well be a center, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, you need size, but like, I think where the Rockets, the way the Rockets like hear that is they, you don't they can't have like a traditional big so they need a big that can step out shoot threes um but you know also protect the paint a little bit which there's not a ton of those guys out there so i think their experiment did fail this year i think it was kind of uh it was just the way the season started with d'antoni and that organization and and that roster like it didn't really seem like they were set up for success they had a cute little run for a little bit but then got absolutely annihilated by the lakers size i now the 76ers angle of that question yep do we start the clock now sure we can start the clock now all right do we ever actually like keep track of this i i did (laughs) i I have um a couple times we've gone over um but a couple times we've been about right. All right. Ready, set, 76 seconds. Go. Uh, this seems like a trade that the 76ers should do. I think in classic Bill Simmons terms, there's my ringer reference for the episode, is um, who says no? I think the Rockets say no. I think yeah. the I, of the teams that are going to say no, I think the Rockets say no to that. Obviously, the, the money has to be right. And obviously, we spent lots of time talking about the money pit that is the 76ers. But Tyler is absolutely correct that shooting needs to be had at some cost.
definitely need to get shooting somewhere. I don't know if trading Al Horford is the right answer. I mean, how, how many years left does he have his contract? He's got like three or four, right? Like, God, he's got a while, <laughs> and I don't see anybody trading for for that. I think where Al Horford ends up long term for or what's well, good spot for Al Horford right now, where he's at his career, is to be like on the Lakers coming off the bench for them or something like that. Like he needs to be the Dwight Howard for them, you know, Stop championship putting team like that. I'm putting it in the universe players on the Lakers. Not I'm putting it, it in the universe. You can't stop me. All right. This is my, it. it's my podcast. I can cry if I want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, there's no way Houston is going to trade Roko and Eric Gordon for Al Horford. That'd just be crazy. Um, but I mean, we don't know that until you guys get a head coach and we'll see what kind of style they play. So. They don't have a head coach yet. They don't have a head coach yet. What? No. The Rockets? Well, yeah, the Rockets don't have a head coach. I don't know what the Rockets are going to do. We, we no, can't. Nobody like, knows. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. No one knows what they'll do. I, I And as far as like stylistically with Doc, mm. I, mean, I, don't, I don't So, I don't know. Tyler, I will give you this hope, though. Like, if you could figure out the money, like, Eric Gordon is definitely a good target for the for the Sixers. That's a good, good player to get. And if you can get Rocco back, God bless you. But uh, I doubt that'll happen, but you got a good chance of, of getting Eric Gordon though. So keep trying there. And you know who is- been, I, I was going to make a snarky joke. I can't do it, Tyler. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that was 76 seconds of 76ers brought to you by Carl's jr. So, I think that's pretty much everything for this week. We finally got an NBA champion. Kev humored me and let me take my victory lap on the podcast. Uh, is there anything else we're missing? No, I'm excited to go big picture. I, I, before we started recording, I said, I need, I, I need to digest. I need some process time. I need to think about teams, not the Miami heat and the LA Lakers a little or the, and the 76ers for that matter. And the 76ers. <laughs> <laughs> we might need a break from 76ers yeah. next week. <laughs> no. So next week we're going to attempt to go historical significance. Like we teased a little bit mm-hmm. this one. We're going to, I think, look at the future a little bit. We're going to just kind of like even more so than usual. I think next week's just going to be a informal seminar about yep the the season in context exactly we'll put a bow on the season once and for all make it nice and tidy for everybody and then it's off season and then from there it's probably book clubs you know it's probably yeah coming up more documentary ideas like we'll we'll keep the pod moving for the people but in the meantime this has been another installment of the shorts and goggles podcast you can follow us on instagram at shorts goggles pod you can listen to us on spotify anchor fm breaker uh, Google Play radio host. Uh, and I think that's all the ones that we're on right now. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram, comment, subscribe to the pod. We'll be back next Monday, like Kevin said, with the big picture stuff. So in the meantime, we are out. <laughs>